My name is Bonnie Landry. I'd like to welcome you to my podcast with my co-hosts, Elizabeth and Christina, where we explore the questions about homeschooling and family life and how we can make joy normal. Good afternoon. I uh, want to start with a question for you. What is your favorite mom hack? Oh, gosh. That is a... Anything. Could be could be car rides with kids, could be travel, could be shopping, could be meals. What do you feel like is your favorite mom hack? Because I'm actually amazed at how much we learn from other moms. Like, why didn't I think of that? <laughs> I know. Yeah. Uh, wow. That, that catches me off guard. I feel like I don't have any. I'm the mom that I, I don't bring snacks no for my packs. kids. Right. I always forget water. You know, like I'm I'm just that mom that just kind of flies by the seat of her pants. Right. I think it, it's not really a hack, but there's one thing is for teething babies. I always have those little mesh. They're like, it, it looks almost like a pacifier. And you just pop it open. Yeah. Yeah. And I just stick ice cubes in them and they just gnaw on them. And that makes them very happy for a very good while. I bet. And actually it's nice because, so, okay, those didn't exist. Well, I didn't know about them anyways until Lydia was born. And then I got one for her and I thought it was the most genius thing ever, but I used to put in like frozen blueberries and frozen bananas and stuff, but it is messy, right? Ice cubes would be less messy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right. So they're, they're definite apples are good to put in there. Right. And don't put bananas. Oranges yeah, are okay. The hard way it on it is one. a little messy to clean that out, but oh. not too bad. Like frozen ones or fresh ones? No, just fresh ones. You just pop them in okay. there. You know, of Must course, when they're really old. good for just a new eater too. Like, yes. So I, yeah. I use it a lot right now for Emma because she is Almost nine months old and has zero teeth. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. But very, very strong gums. So even nice. without teeth, like the other night at dinner, I gave her just a slice of apple just to gnaw on. And I did not put it in the little mesh. I think they're right. called something. I don't ever know what they're called. Right. And she it's bit off a chunk. And I was like, oh, all right. Well, we're not doing this <laughs> without sticking it in something safe. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's a smart idea too. I wonder if you could do it if like a DIY hack, if you took like, say, a piece of cotton, a, a dishcloth even, mm-hmm. and stuck and stuck a couple ice cubes in a dishcloth and then just elasticed it really tightly. Oh, maybe. Or knotted it or something. I mean, you wouldn't want to leave them alone with that, I guess, right. in case the elastic broke or something. Right. But um, yeah, we don't leave our nine months old alone. <laughs> right. Well, and I bet you could also use it... Because there's like an age where it's okay for babies to have water. I think it's like four months, right? Right. Then they can, or five, I don't know. Right. And th- But before that, you could probably just freeze breast milk. Although I don't know that you'd want babies to have something that cold. Right. It probably wouldn't be. I mean, some yeah. babies teeth that early. But yeah. Mine never did. We uh, had right. eight teethers right. for sure. But. Yeah. So she's the latest so far? No, my second born was 11 months before he had any teeth. I'm really not worried. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, Lucy was, she was a year before she got a tooth. So yeah, it was like, yeah. (laughs) But in general, our, our kids teeth late. Yeah. 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 I don't, I don't really have any mom hacks. I wish I could say that I did. I've seen some really cool ones, like (laughs) taking a shower curtain 
to the beach and then you like carve out a hole and put the shower curtain in and fill it with water for your little babies. Aw. I've never done that, but I thought that's a really good idea. Then you don't get your baby all of sand. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. When my mom died, you know, I was going through her stuff and all that and, and my mom was like the queen of hacks and I didn't know it because I guess she sort of came up with these ideas and I probably didn't notice them when I was living at home or else they were after I left home. But one of them, this is just genius. You know how you put, um, you, you, you have like your driver's license or your credit card or whatever. And sometimes wallets, especially women's wallets are really snug, like the pockets to put them in. So she just took a piece of clear tape and taped like a tab on her driver's license. So she could pull it in and out really easily. That is smart. It's smart, right? Yeah. <laughs> My car gets stuck all the time when I'm trying to get them yeah. out. And I thought, <laughs> My mom was so smart and I didn't even know. Yeah. <laughs> I hope my kids discover stuff like that about me when I'm gone. <laughs> right. So you have some questions? I do. I have a couple that I I feel are almost a little dated now because I thought of them a while ago. <laughs> that's okay dated for you but maybe right there's not relevant right (laughs) yeah um okay so my first question is what if you have a child that does not like to write the answers to questions so you know say they're working just i one of my sons loves workbooks he just loves being able to go and do things by himself And so I know we've talked a lot about dictation, but when it comes to those pages and learning writing, you know, where you have to answer a question in a complete sentence, what if that child just falls to pieces over the idea of writing a full sentence? Do you encourage them to push through or do you, you know, just say, okay, no, you you don't have to do that, you know, and then try again in a couple weeks and what, what would you recommend? It would always depend for me on what that particular book or you as the homeschooling mom were trying to accomplish. Are you mm-hmm. trying to get them to do printing practice or are you trying to get them to spot the verb? Are you trying to get them to spell something correctly? What 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 is the goal of the book? Sometimes it's a math book that requires a word answer, right? So yeah, a written answer of some sort. I think it's really important to sort of consider whenever we think, okay, do I do I work towards this or do I just write it for them? Right. Or do I just get them to do it verbally? You Mm -hmm. know, because there's a lot of times when we can just get our kids to answer something verbally. And that tells us whether they know the information or not. Like, could they actually, could they actually answer the question? And in that case, if they can answer it verbally, Mm -hmm. writing it down doesn't necessarily prove that they know it better than if they answered you verbally. Right. We want to pull the plug on all the angst that happens in homeschooling because, first of all, children don't learn well in angst. And also it just becomes this um, test of something. But is it the thing you're actually trying to to do? Is it the thing you're actually trying to learn or having the child learn? So, So I think that requires a little bit of careful examination, right? So say, for example... Mm -hmm. uh, it was to mm-hmm. to spot the verb or to put the verb in the right place or mm-hmm. to put the adverb in the right place or something like that. Then uh, most of the time, I think that could be done verbally without any compromise to the child's ability. But again, there, you know, maybe there's uh, some other thing where you're, you're given words of a sentence and you're supposed to put them into a cohesive order, right? 
I don't recall seeing something like that, but I'm just mm -hmm. thinking, okay, that would be one way of kind of grabbing words, right? And putting them in, in a sentence. So if that were the case and writing them down was, was important to, so they understand the sequence and proper placement of a word, then maybe we'd be in a situation where you could say, okay, which one would go first? Or you could say, how about I put down one word and you put down the next word, right? Work with, work with them. You know, what, what would you be okay with? Would you be okay with writing every other word? Would you be okay with writing three words? Tell me what you'd be okay with. And if they say no words, start with no words. You know, okay, I'm going to help you. And then in a couple of weeks, we're going to see if you can just do one word. So start with the foundation and build on it, I think is really important for our kids, right? Is it, is, can you use an example so I know what kind of book you're talking about? It's, I think, a scholastic book. I had gotten it from Costco um, as kind of a way to help myself make sure that I'm doing great, appropriate stuff, I guess you'd say. Yeah, one of right. my sons just yeah. loves to just go off and do his own stuff with it. And I think it was a couple weeks ago he was on a page and it was, I think, statements versus questions and exclamation sentences. Um, and so he had to take, right. I think it was the incomplete sentence and turn it into a statement or turn it into a complete question right. or something like that. Yeah. So something that could be done verbally, right? Yeah. So it would be, it would be a incredibly rare for, for myself, I speak for myself, for me to have made making them do something the hill I'm going to die on because it's not worth it to right. me, right? What's more important is that they learn the thing rather than making a big mm -hmm. issue about what the thing is, because to me, that just turns them off, right? And I mean, it could be that right. he had reached right. the wall in the sense that he had reached his, uh, his ability in that book and he needed some more maturity in order to be able to continue. Or it could just be that he hates writing things down. I mean, you know, you'd probably know the answer to that. And either way, we can... Yeah. There's another way of doing things. First of all, sometimes just saying, okay, you know, let's just put this book away for a while and, and come back to it because I think maybe you've exhausted what, what, you know, was fun and interesting and helping you learn. And, um, you know, maybe in six months we'll, we'll come back to it or pick out pages. Mm -hmm. If you don't want to do that page, pick out a different page that you'd like to do. You can skip pages and some kids get very wiggy about that, but, uh, some kids don't care at all, but you could absolutely explore, you know, but if there's a page in here that you, you know, assume that he's right. not ready for it, uh, either emotionally or academically. Right. I think for this child in particular, it was more emotional. He, he likes to cut corners. So it, it, in part as a parent, it was me seeing this is a, a common, I guess, area in, in his everyday right. skills that he would avoid because it's too hard. When in reality, right. it's not too hard for him. And so mm -hmm. it, it was me trying to figure out, okay, do I force him to, to do this hard thing because otherwise he's going to continue to just take the easy road out of things? Like he, he's right. the one of mine that tends to want to quit things just because, no, it's too hard, it's you know? Too hard. <laughs> and so it, it's definitely yeah. a struggle as a parent because- when, when do you let them, you know, say, okay, yeah, I know you don't have to do that. And when do you kind of just force them to get through, you know, right. so that they can get to the next yeah. 
part of you know, the next thing. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever they're going to be learning. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think I would, my inclination would be to do less and do it right. Mm -hmm. Sure. You know, like say for example, there's, there's 30 math questions and they're like, Oh, it's too hard. It's too hard. And you know, they know the answers to them, but mm -hmm. it's a lot. It's probably more than it's too hard. It's probably too boring. Right. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. How many is reasonable? There's 30 on this page. How many do you think is reasonable to do every day? And if they say one, you, you know, you can say, well, one isn't reasonable because you don't really learn anything by just doing one. We could talk about how many would be reasonable or how many minutes would be reasonable. And, and I think we can work with them on that. So that's our, the bargaining mm -hmm. points don't come about whether we do it or not. The bargaining points are about, about how much, how many, uh, you know, in what circumstance can I have a snack while I do it? You know, whatever. <laughs> yeah which I should share a story. So we kind of are taking a, a break from learning new things in math um, and just trying to focus on right. the math facts. So making sure the kid's addition is pretty solid, their multiplication is solid um, before going on to the more advanced portions of division. So yeah. we had been using those math wraps where it's, there's a string and it's wrapping, which I thought would be really good for my son who has ADHD because right. it's a little bit more tactile. But what I didn't think is it never changes, right? It's always, you know, two times one. Like it, it just, there's not enough variation in it or order, you know, because you're always going in the same order. So we got out our flashcards. Right. I told the kids to set a five minute timer and just see how many they could get through. And they were both pretty slow about it, which, I mean, it, it is what it is. And so, but my husband and I were having fun. So then I said, okay, well, quiz me. And so we set a five-minute timer for me. Yeah. And I am not great at math, but my kids were very, very impressed with how fast I was doing it. I think I did like 68 facts in um, right. five minutes, which actually saying it out loud doesn't sound that great, but... <laughs> I was rusty. <laughs> right. And then I think my husband got a little less than that. But that's inspired the kids every I'm day. Impressed. They set a timer and they practice their facts yeah. and they try and beat what they did the day before. And it's just kind of made it fun for them again. And it doesn't, I mean, it's five minutes of their day. And it, yeah. it's so foundational that I'm not, yeah. you know, like angsty about taking stepping exactly. aside from, you know, learning more and more and just focusing. Cause that's the basis of everything. If you don't have your math facts quickly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting. It's a, it's a wise decision you've made, you know, I think because we often push kids before they really have those solid foundations. And I mean, that's what I experienced in school. Mm -hmm. You know, by the time I was in grade four or five, I was so far behind in math that, uh, that nothing was making sense to me. So sort of new ideas or yeah. cons math concepts that were, you know, perhaps more challenging were just lost on me, you know, and I sort of, muddled my way through all through school with math where I think if I had had a, a year or two where somebody recognizing like, mm, the foundations are not really here mm -hmm. and with math because it builds on itself it's really detrimental to us it's it's like not if you could compare it and of course this wouldn't happen because a kid wouldn't learn to read but if you didn't have if you didn't know your letters you couldn't read and so that's going to affect every aspect of your schooling. And so math is, it's similar. It's going to affect every aspect of your, your ability to do math if you don't know arithmetic, right? 
And I mean, there's lots of ways we can teach it. If they're not getting it, you know, we need them to master it before we move on, right? An awareness of, of beauty and an appreciation for art in all its forms has been an important aspect of our home education. As you know, the last few episodes, we've talked a lot about, about beauty and art. Years ago, I discovered Catholic heritage curricula and was first introduced to their art appreciation resources for young kids. They have an art masterpieces series. A desire for a deeper understanding of art led us to CHC's program Ever Ancient Ever New. This program is in two parts. Part one of Ever Ancient Ever New guides us from ancient art forms to the art of the Renaissance. Part two leads us from the art of the high Renaissance through to the modern era. What really drew us to this program was the art appreciation aspect of it and the history aspect of it with a distinctly Catholic perspective. But the program also presents art theory and opportunity for practice with a companion art pad that comes along with it. They give the children projects that they can work on to practice some of the art skills inherent in the program. CHC materials are always steeped in beauty and this program is visually delightful. For us, it helped us cultivate a sensitivity for beauty and gave us a solid foundation in the eras of art and the character that define them. The lives of artists and cultural influences that affected art are explored in the context of each chapter. One of the really awesome parts of Ever Ancient Ever New is that it can be used independently from children about, they recommend about grade five and up, or it can be read together as a family. As something we've really valued in our family, this program makes art appreciation something that parents can share with their children without being overwhelmed by the idea of introducing art. Beautiful, it's simple, it's engaging. I will put a link to the program in the show notes. Have a look. And you can also enjoy all of CHC's art programs that they offer for younger kids as well. I am grateful for CHC's support of this podcast. Thank you. Right, especially with with like algebra, right? Because you're filling in a number, you know, replacing that letter with a number. And if you don't know, you know, that eight plus eight equals 16, how are you going to find B, you know? like It's a lame example, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, I've to- I think I've told you the story of my son uh, doing algebra. I don't think so. Okay, so so a few years ago, when my son was in grade ten, we were doing algebra, and and he was really struggling, struggling, struggling. He just could not get it. I was walking through it, and I said, "Okay, listen." In grade nine, was also like this. Grade nine and ten, when he. Uh, sort of reach this point, I said, listen, I will do this every day with you. I will just sit here with you for 20 to 30 minutes a day and we'll do whatever algebra we can. But I never really understood algebra. So my kids, usually by the time they were about 13 or 14, were independent with learning algebra, which was, which was great because I didn't, you know, but I always thought, okay, well, I'll get a tutor or whatever. I'll do something different if they need um, math support that I can't give them. But you know, up until him. So he's the fifth child. So I'm, I'm working on, uh, the algebra with him and I'm working on it with him side by side. And I kind of was getting to the point where I thought, okay, am I going to be able to continue? Right. Because this is getting trickier and more complicated. And I know for sure I didn't get this when I was in high school. And then what I found as I progressed in, in algebra with him was that not only could I do it, but I actually really liked it. Right. And I thought, okay, this is fun. This is like solving a puzzle. This is, this is cool. Right. And my excitement for it was sort of, you know, lit a bit of a fire under him because it was like, oh yeah. Okay. Cause I was saying, oh, look, oh, look, okay. I get this now. You know, it's like undoing this big puzzle. I have a theory that 
somewhere either by the time I was say 52, when this was happening, I either my brain matured enough to understand algebra, or I had such a strong arithmetic background now because I had taught at this point, you know, whatever, 25 years of kids Mm -hmm. doing math. And I was really strong in arithmetic. So, so one of those two things, or maybe both made it so that I could do algebra, but you know, it, I didn't know that hadn't tested it since I was 18. (laughs) So somewhere between 18 and 52. (laughs) So, but there's a lot to be said for that. Right. But the foundation (laughs) was so strong that, that I thought, okay, well that has to play into it for sure. Sure. Yeah. All right. Next question. So when you're not following a particular curriculum, how do you gauge that you are on track with grade appropriate milestones? You know, I know some states require testing. Um, In Michigan, they do not require it, at least last I checked. And so for parents like myself, how do you know that, you know, your third grader has kind of learned what they need for third grade to move on to fourth grade? Yeah, I mean, this is a hard question for me to answer because I so totally don't care about stuff like that. I don't care what every other kid is learning in grade three out there. I just don't care. What matters to me, so there's some things that build on themselves that we were just talking about, like math. What matters to me is I take them from where they are to the next step forward, right? And every kid has a different track for when they're going to get to that next step, but that we are, we're always working towards mastering what they're working on and moving to the next step, right? Once that, you know, once we've moved, got this, then we move on to the next thing. So developmentally, I take you from where you are one step forward, right? And one step at a time. And I don't look beyond that. Where, uh, where subjects that it doesn't matter, say, for example, um, literature, study of history or study of science, right? I mean, yeah, for sure. In the public schools in British Columbia, they're going to learn XYZ in for science and for social studies in the classroom. But in the next province over, it's probably different. In England, it's different. In the States, it's different. Probably every state is different. In a private school, it's different. In my homeschool, like, I just don't care, right? Because those things don't matter. And because I'm homeschooling for the long haul, I'm going to revisit those things, right? So every three, four, five years, you're going to revisit the same science topics, the same social studies topics. And they're going to get it at a deeper level. It just, it's so, um, what, what they're doing in school is just so irrelevant to me. Now, if you were homeschooling thinking, okay, I'm going to put my kids back in school. Uh, I'm homeschooling for the next two years because we want to travel or because of our circumstances or because of whatever, then could there be a reason to, uh, to, sort of stay tracking with the school. I mean, yes, there could be. I still feel that, okay, whatever they're doing in grade four, if your kid was home for grade three and and they're putting in the school for grade four, whatever they're doing in grade four, whether it's repeated what you did or something you've never done before or whatever, it doesn't really matter. The school is going to do what the school does. Say your child gets to grade nine and you think, okay, they don't really have any concept of American history, right? With that kind of got missed, kind of fell through the cracks in their schooling and their between their back and forth with homeschooling and schooling. Okay, well, let's do that now. And they could be in school and you could still do American history with them. You could watch some great movies. You could read some great books. That's something you could do supplementarily for them uh, if they happen to fall through a crack on a subject area. I think that 
you know, we sort of have to bear that in mind. If, if you're homeschooling for the long haul, you know, when you teach things doesn't really matter. And if your child is doing grade two math and they're in grade four, because that's the pace they're on, or for that matter, in doing grade 11 math and they're in grade seven, if that's the pace they're on, that's the pace they're on. I know I had a friend, one of my kids was really good at math and uh, really good at science and math. I was sort of thinking, okay, I better meet this out a little more slowly because he's going to be, you know, sort of have covered everything. And a friend of mine said, you know, I was really, really good at science and math in school. And I was so bored by doing what my age mates were doing in school, like just killed school for me. He said, just let him run, just let him run, let him study whatever he wants in science and math. And I thought, okay. So, you know, I mean, he was essentially uh, had accomplished all of his science and math you know, credits by the time he was like the end of grade nine, you know, and then he just did extra, I did extra and extra, did tons of extra science and math. And so I can see though, it would have been a detriment to sort of hold him back. And sometimes kids do things too, that we, we see them sort of move, move along at a pace, for example, that is, seems slow. And then all of a sudden they surge forward right? At a certain age. And sometimes it's a brain maturity. Sometimes sometimes it's because they're motivated because they join a co-op or something like that. And so they surge force and forth in their ability to write or their interest in something, you know? So we, we know that that's sort of always something that, that may, uh, that may happen, right? In terms of, I think uh, to help us relax, uh, about, about these things, Sometimes it's nice to have something like, okay, we glance at a book once in a while, if it doesn't stress you out to do that, right? So say, for example, what does the average grade three know? You could look at something like that and think, oh, okay, um, maybe it would be helpful if we spent more time on science or we spent more time on math or whatever. Or if they're way behind, you know, am I, do I need to teach differently? Do I need a different program? Do I need to get a tutor? Do I need to find an older homeschool kid who might sort of reach them better than I'm reaching them? And I mean, sometimes they're just be, it's whatever you're teaching is beyond their ability to understand. And so maturity is just what you're waiting for. But if you feel like it could be a a misstep in the method, maybe they would benefit from some other approach then that's something, you know, something worth looking at, right? And I mean, usually you can kind of get a sense of that even by talking to other right, mothers, right? Right, right. Yeah, it, it's definitely something that I wish I could say I didn't care about, but I do, and it just makes me really frustrated at, um, you know, like statewide government, you know, requirements for education. Um, because I think the reason it was set up was for those kids that were consistently falling through the cracks, whether it's, you know, because of, um, they were poor or whatnot. It was to make sure that those kids had a chance. Right. But now it just has set this, these guidelines that just make learning not fun. It just makes it a chore and it just, and I think they're highlighting the wrong stuff. Now I I shouldn't bash schools. I just didn't have a great school experience and I went to, you know, to, private schools. I think it's very hard for teachers, even good, you know, really, really good teachers are really hemmed in by a system that's too big and trying to do too much and having to spend a lot of time uh, doing crowd control, right? And so, you know, I mean, I think that's it's it's a problem with a system and the breakdown of society more than it's a problem with 
with individual teachers. I think some very, very good teachers. And, uh, and I feel for them because, because they're so limited in what they're able to do. And I, I don't want, I want schooling to be fun and not stressful, but I do admit I get stressed out about, you know, what I should be doing with them versus what we are doing, which kind of leads to, to my next question, unless you have anything else to say. Well, just one thing, and I don't know if this relates to your next question, but that, that say, for example, um, in your state in grade five is when they study American history. Okay. I have no idea what, what the, the requirements are, but say, say that's the year they did that, but your kids weren't interested. Um, it just wasn't you, what you were jazzed about right now. It just, it wasn't what you wanted to do, but you felt like it was important to kind of keep tracking with some of what the school system has in place. You could take two weeks and do a unit study on American history, kind of just power through it. Uh, and then, and then that can help you just say, okay, I've done that. I've done my due diligence. Uh, I can check that box. Now, maybe they got a lot out of it. Maybe they didn't. Maybe it impels you to study more because they're really into it. Uh, and maybe it's just like kind of grinding your teeth to get through it. But it is a way of sort of checking off those, you know, boxes that are stressing you. So you think, okay, yeah, we did that. We've, we've uh, powered through that in two weeks and, and now we're, uh, can go on to the stuff we really love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. One thing we're we're doing is making sure, um, just checking to see our kids spelling. Um, and we just, a a couple times a week, I'll just pull up, you know, like a grade three spelling list and I'll just, you know, (laughs) quiz my older two, you know, how do you spell this? And, and it's just like no pressure. We just talk about it and it's just fun. Yeah. 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 Um, and then there's also, have you heard of Wordle? You just type, you just Google Wordle and it's, I think the first result and they give you, it's a word a day pretty much. And you just try, just ran, I can pull it up just to show you what it looks like, but my kids like playing it and you can go and look at past Wordles and test those out. Um, because they only give you one new one a day, but it's great for them to learn spelling and kind of filling in words because there's only five. So this was my one today. So you have to. Okay. I can't see it very. Yeah. It's like a little puzzle. The first word. So you just guess any five letter word. Um, and then it'll give you green letters. If you got it right in the right spot. And yellow, if you have another letter that's correct, but it's just not in the correct spot. And so you use clues to figure out what the word is. Um, Or you use those letters as clues. So anyway, it's fun. And it's been fun for my sons to do throughout the day. And and that's great. I mean, it helps them to spell, helps them to learn new words. You know, that's it's fun when you can come up with games like that. I know that was one of when we were talking about math facts earlier, that was one of the things with my younger kids that they were allowed to be on a phone or device to do Duolingo for a language and math facts. Because there's some fun little games that, you know, and so you just set the timer five minutes, they do their math facts via a game. Did you did you have another question? I do. I have okay. So do you have any advice for parents on how to not take it personally, not to get annoyed when kids don't 
and I'll say in quotes, have a concept that you've been working on with them for months or years. Um, I'll just give an arbitrary example. You know, a noun is a person, place, thing, or idea. What if you've been working with your child on that, you know, for a year, two years, and they still can't tell you what a noun is? You know, how do you not take that person? How how can you be gentle with your child instead of getting frustrated? Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. And I think it sort of does harken back to talking about what we were talking about earlier, is that we can only take them from where they are now, one step forward, right? So if the word noun is meaningless to your child, and you feel like they're either at an age or you spent enough time talking about what a noun is, uh, you have a couple of options. One is you just revisit it later on. The other is taking different approaches to to learning it. So say, for example, you had a bunch of um, pictures, right? Like, say you had a picture of, I mean, you could pick anything. You could pick, um, I don't know, you know the matchup games where you're trying to find pairs? Say you say, take something like that and you flip over the picture and you say, okay, I want you to tell me if this is a noun or a verb right? Or, or whatever. So the reality is if it's a picture of a boy running, they might say, well, it's a verb because they're running and you say, okay, good. What about the boy? So find maybe more tactile ways of, of, uh, or verbal ways of, uh, bringing in those ideas, right? So try and accomplish those ideas differently. So through images, through movement, through, you know, I mean, I just stuck a poster up on the wall. I just always had a poster up of parts of speech. Kids, I mean, we talked about them all the time, but I think primarily my kids learned because there was a poster on the wall their whole life, right? And eventually the one day they're staring at it and staring at it. Oh, and now it's a person place I think, kind of like you're doing with spelling, you could do that as a game. I'm going to say something and you tell me if it's a noun or a verb or a preposition or whatever, you know, whatever one you're working on, where ones you're working on. So you say uh, box or you say into or you say boy or you say Mr. McNamee who lives next door. Get them thinking about things in a different way. Right. So that's a, a way that we can sort of support them actually learning that. It's safe to assume that if you're talking about it, eventually they're going to get it. It might take one year. It might take five, right? It might take five minutes for some kids. Now, oh, got it. Check, right? You just never know what's going to gel when. <laughs> but I think if you really feel like, okay, he, he has to know what this means, we're there, then you do something like find other ways. Did you, have we talked about Mad Libs? Yeah. Yeah. My son's play. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, Mad Libs is a great way to, to do that because it's got the parts of speech in there, but it's a game. Yeah. They actually were playing it today. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, that's a great way, but you could do that verbally in the car too. Okay. I'm going to say a word. And when I stop, you guys have to put in a noun, right? You know, I was walking around the uh, block and suddenly I saw a, and get them to put it. And if they don't say a noun, actually that's a verb. Actually, you know, the thing is they probably know how to use nouns properly. So, so somewhere in their psyche, they know what a noun is. They just don't know the label of it. Yeah. Yeah. We should have an episode where you, um, give ideas for 
educational car ride games for hey that would be fun <laughs> you know why don't you write that down for the next time we get together yeah because we have yeah. summer and road trips coming up i'm sure for me i know that's a great idea we're actually going on a road trip this i'll be probably uh on my way home from it when this airs but we're going on a road trip for three or four weeks across the country, leaving on the 22nd. So, yes, yeah, so my, my uh, people that I'm with, my husband and my, you know, 15-year-old daughter don't require games. <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> but yeah, we had a lot of car games we did because uh, because it was fun, right? It helps the yeah. text pass the time. Yeah, yeah let's do it that. Does. Okay, yeah. so have... if you take note of that, I will never remember. So, but if you remember. Yeah. I'll write Sounds it down. good, yeah. All right, should we wrap it up? Yes, sounds okay, good. Fantastic. Okay, God bless. Have a great night, and we'll Thanks. see you in a few weeks. All right. Okay. Bye. Bye.